0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux, and this is number 100. We made it to triple dig. Can you believe that? To celebrate, we are honored, honored to have bassist for Creedence Clearwater Revival and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stu Cook. Now, I, like most people in this world who have ever lived, am a huge CCR fan. I love them. And unfortunately, they're As most people know, there is a ton of drama and dysfunction within that band. It defines itself with basically frontman and songwriter John Fogerty on one side, and Stu, and drummer Doug Clifford, and John's brother Tom, when he was still alive, on the other side. Now, I just thought it would be really interesting to hear Stu's story. When I reached out to him, I really didn't know what I was going to find out. I just thought he would have an interesting story to tell. And the best word I can think of to describe our conversation is explosive. I don't have allegiance one way or the other. I love the band. I love John. I don't know the other guys as well, but no one does because John's the big name. He has the pulpit and he writes the books and he gets the talk show invitations. He has the loudest, loudest voice. And so his side of this story gets out there very loudly I wanted to hear what the other guys had to say and i will tell you Stu makes an incredibly persuasive case as to what some of the root causes of the dysfunction are and i'm just going to leave it at that because i want you to hear this and decide for yourself we talk about their performance at woodstock which has largely been lost to history we talk about That awkward and uh, sort of uncomfortable induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that happened in the early 90s. We talk about how Creedence Clearwater revisited, which Doug and Stu are a part of today, have been for over 20 years, how that got started and what's involved in making that happen. This is an enlightening, amazing conversation, one of the best we've ever had. And I'm so grateful for Stu for talking to me. Stick around at the end. There's a giveaway I want to tell you guys about, but for now, I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation with Stu Cook. He called me from his home in Florida. One of the most fascinating things about CCR is the whole Woodstock story. I'm like you. I don't know if regular people realize that CCR headlined one of the nights at Woodstock. You're not in the movie. You're not on the primary recording. You've come out of some in some of the other like box sets that have come out. You gotta tell me the Woodstock story.
1: All right. <laughs> I'll tell you the Woodstock story as I best recall it.
0: Okay, sure. Well, you, <laughs> uh,
1: you know when they start when Michael Lang and, and his associates start putting together the idea for this event, Summer and Love and Peace uh-huh. and so on. You know, nobody had done, any, done anything like that, and they hadn't either, really. I mean, they might have done some small-time stuff, coffee shop stuff back east. So anyway, the idea got off the ground, and of course they started contacting talent agencies looking for uh, artists. And they were also trying to find a venue. And we were one of the artists contacted. You know, they had nobody signed at all. So Credence was one of the first, if not the first, major act to, to sign, to, to play at for really,
2: event. Yeah. Wow.
1: I think we got. I think our contract was for ten grand or something, which was you know a lot of money back in nineteen sixty nine. Sure. We were on a pretty good roll at that time. I think uh, by the time the concert came around, I think Green River was the number one album. Okay.
0: Three albums in one year—that's unheard of.
1: Well, you know, Bayou Country was recorded in sixty eight. Oh, okay. You know what i mean they they all recorded uh, yeah. one year they they all came okay. out in in, in one out. year, okay. but that was just a timing thing. you know they used us to entice other artists of okay. our generation to get on board we were signed a headline Saturday night in the meantime you know they're having trouble finding a location for this event, and finally it ends up in Yazgir's farm up in Bethel new york uh-huh. so anyway it all it all comes together, and it's they expect a quarter million people and it's promoted as love. As it, as it rolls around, all the roads were just jammed headed up to this event. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, way more people were attending than had purchased tickets. So anyway, the night before, the the day before, we're in L.A. doing a a, a TV show. I can't recall if it was the Dion Warwick special or huh? an Andy Andy Williams special.
2: Okay. So we
1: do that, you know, and that's canned television, right? That's like lip syncing. That's that's yeah. how much credibility the television industry had with with music right back back then was lip sync so yeah. uh, we finished that up you know rehearsals and 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 taped the show we we fly all night we get there you know sunrise fly to boston then for boston we chartered a uh, a small jet kind of cool uh-uh. to fly us to fly us up to uh, to to bethel or thereabouts and got us over to the holiday inn where all the artists were staying Oh, sort
0: of, that must have been crazy! I've never thought about that.
1: Everyone's yeah, got to stay in a
0: hotel. The yeah, room. Yeah, I mean,
1: Baez. you know, you walk in, you walk in, fresh from your television appearance in Hollywood, and you bump into Joan Baez in the lobby, and you know, it's <laughs> like, wow, this is crazy. This oh, is, you know, these are people that that, yeah. that that were, you know, stars when we were still, uh, you know, trying to figure out which end of the guitar sure. to hold.
0: Whose room had the party?
1: Uh, you know that we were so wasted from, uh, from our probably. all-night experience that we just took the opportunity to chill. I'm sure there was uh, there was lots and lots of parties going on. Yeah, you have to uh, think
0: Sly Stone's room was just nuts. Yeah, you know right. I thought the
1: Jefferson Jefferson airplane were probably having a pretty good deal yeah. going on as <laughs> yeah, well. That's true. You <laughs> so you know our crew got the gear out there. So anyway, everything was going well until the audience decided mm-hmm. that. I mean the, the 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 people who were attending that didn't have tickets decided that that they were coming in as well. Yeah. And the uh, the gates the fences came down and I think you know the promoters just said well hey we, we got to go with this, you know, there's another yeah. quarter million people. Quarter million paid, quarter million uh more attended. Yeah. So there's roughly a half a million people uh that are there and they they had no ability or plan to to deal with that so they just had to let it they had to let it happen sure and everything was going along fairly well people were getting along terrifically actually for uh you know the 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 feeling was high the spirit good then it started to rain and you know the 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 audience made the the best of of it playing in the mud and so on and so forth but it really threw a wrench into the into the production Mm-hmm. because it made a lot of you know the 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 ground was wet so was the stage built sure. you know correctly Right. and the the real problem turned out to be uh, uh electrical yeah I with see the that. lightning and, and and all the the, the dampness uh yeah. accumulated water and so on so they had some problems with audio but they really had a lot of problems with the lighting you know because okay. there's a lot of high energy high high amperage stuff right. in in lights so the spotlights it had to be uh, nixed. Uh, they didn't even know if the towers were going to stand uh, because of the the mud and you know the really the, the whole, yeah it was a pretty steep hillside a lot of uh, train issues. You know, so when CCR park.
0: performed, there were no spotlights shining on you. No, that makes you know. I watched the video. Some of the about five of the songs are on YouTube, and I was watching them recently, and it did seem particularly darkly staged. Yeah. And I, yeah, didn't know I if think that's I think it was three thirty in the morning or
1: what the problem was. Well, who knows what time it was. You know, the Grateful Dead went on before us and they played their usual meandering long thing and it was already two, three, four hours late. And so right. instead of going on at ten at night, we went on about one thirty or two. Oh boy. It was dark and and yeah. the audio uh, you know, there was they were recording everything, but there was some problems with the audio, of course. Uh uh-huh. We played a pretty good set, I think. You know, that's what we yeah, did. We, we, I thought uh, so too. I mean, those five songs, both audio and video, I think are standout.
2: Keep on true Keep on true Keep on true
1: We played the, the the stuff, and you know, we get out of there the next day because we had to play in some tent down in New Jersey. <laughs> it was a real, real letdown after playing <laughs> to a half a million people. I believe and then, it. And then fighting our way out of that that mud pit and and getting yeah. to New Jersey to play in a in a circus tent in the round. I think the oh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band opened for us or something. <laughs> it was like, like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? That was right. that was too good, and this is too bad. <laughs> But when we were there, we were backstage, and we were we we had a very small organization, just, you know, kind of amateur actually. But we but you know we got it done, and we were local. You know, it was like an El Cerrito, California thing, which was right. Not to not to say it was bad, but it but it wasn't the crack. Uh huh. And so Bill Graham's organization, who was there taking care of Santana, who played for free, I think oh, maybe wow. three hundred dollars or something. But we were all from the Bay Area, and we knew those guys fairly well yeah. from playing the ballrooms in the park. And, you know, we saw them all the time. So. Sure. A guy named Barry Imhoff, who worked for Bill Graham, took really good care of us. We had fine wine, good smoke. We hung out backstage like little lords, you know. Well, the audience is <laughs> suffering. Right. Wet, muddy, uh, dirty. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they didn't really have a lot of food. Uh, yeah. Sanitation was stressed. They invented granola there because they had to make their supplies stretch. Oh
0: boy! It's
1: so you know chicken. they mix cereal with nuts, uh-huh. and, you know, and, and add water, right? <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> uh, that's great. You know, we hung out all day. We played our set. We tried to you know stay sober and, and as Get straight on. as we could. You know, and we got on, did our thing, and, and left. And then suddenly it had become a you know, unbeknownst I mean, to anybody, it really, it had become a, a worldwide event. Something huge had just happened. Yeah. And, uh, and we were part of it. it was like, And wow. you knew
0: that fairly quickly afterwards?
1: Well, then, so yeah. I mean, it, it took a while to sense sink sense. in. I mean, when you're standing up there and you can't really see any hair or teeth, you know, if you're playing at right. night. You, right. you're, you're in the dark. They're in the dark. You're just throwing it out there, playing it and, and hoping that somebody gets it and sends it back to right. you. So, it, oh. you know, as we started reading the, the reports, you know, half a million strong, you know, Fairly calm, you know. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. One people, one person died. Two people were born. I, I forget the, you know, the headlines. Right. But it was a pretty cool event, as, as it right. turned out. And I always like to remember, in, in spite of it all, it was not the, the event. Might have started out being about the music. Uh huh. But, but at the end of the day, and I and I believe this to this day, the event was really about the audience,
3: their yeah. story. That's yeah. the
1: story of Woodstock, the real story. Yeah. That I mean, bands play concerts all the time, you know. And you know, they were looking to get one performance from each band, right? Yeah. For their, yeah. For their movie. Well, something we didn't get paid on, you know, as intended at the at the time. Uh-huh. You know, we were supposed oh. to get paid for. We went on, and and we didn't, and we went on anyway. Wow. Uh, Fogarty was you never managing got the that band. Ten
0: thousand bucks they promised you
1: we finally got paid okay eventually you know it was because the movie was uh, generating uh, investors and you know Warner Brothers jumped in and okay. there was a huge huge fight between the warners and the creditors and the, the promoters oh, yeah. and, but in the middle of all this Fogarty says we're not going to be in your movie because you guys didn't pay us and he came to the band and he said we said how come we're not in the movie John and he said because you guys didn't play very well
0: oh really yeah Ouch. Like it's your fault, even though it's him that made that decision.
1: Right, and he was part of the band playing that night either. It wasn't his best yeah. night. We were journeymen, you know, fighting through some bad conditions. Sure. And I thought we got the job done.
0: I do too. And, uh, I mean, the soundtrack and the movie would have just featured maybe one song, maybe well, two exactly. of those songs at it, the most. I'm it sure turns out, have gotten two of those were fine.
1: It turns out we had five songs of our nine or 10 songs set are high quality and have and have all been you know released on audio uh they were on this original soundtrack album on Atlantic Records. We have an, over 15 minutes of of audio and video on the 40th anniversary bonus discs. Was that like uh, uh, two, 2009? 2009,
0: yeah. I yeah. Okay. Out.
1: Yeah, I do too. I was involved in yeah. in helping to promote it. Oh, we, had, we had a big party in, in South by Southwest. We had a big party in, in uh the hard rock in uh, in New York City, to celebrate it. Massive amounts of media. Warner's sure. video did a, did a great job on promoting it. They that. did, yeah. And it's like, hey, John, what's up with this? You know what he told us? He said, well, Credence is already number one. What good? What, why do we need to be in this movie? What?
0: Oh, yeah. come on. I mean, granted, no one knew that it would be the cultural touchstone that it would go on to be, but still, sure. like, why not just participate, you know?
1: We had a feeling at the time that it was going to be big. And I got to yeah. tell you, look at the careers that came out of that, out oh, of that totally. event, that film.
0: Totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: Ten, 10 years after Santana, Crosby stills. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Hendrix, Joe Cocker. You know, a lot of other artists weren't in either. The dead weren't in, but I don't know, you know, who knows yeah. what their story is.
0: Well, they're not really a pop act. And I mean, this, it it muddies your claim to history. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, instead of being a part of it, you have to remind people, "Hey, hey, guys, we were there too." You know, you don't want to have to do that for fifty years or whatever it is. You the number
1: to- of times I've had to tell people, they, "Were you guys at Wood, Woodstock?" <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, yeah. we were uh, a headliner at, at yeah. Woodstock. Yeah, that was a that was an incredible missed opportunity based on Fogarty's uh, immaturity and just wow. wanting to to smack the band down a little bit. So okay. after some long. Negotiations in 2008, he agreed to allow uh, three tracks to be okay. uh, included. Keep on Chuglin uh, I put a spell on you, I think. I put a spell- There's actually more in the can uh, th- th- that I've already pre-approved, oh really? well, because uh, we went around John's back and and, did, and signed a deal me and uh doug and and Tom's widow Trish signed the the uh, the the deal to be on the original soundtrack album on Atlantic, and we put five tracks
0: on oh, that album nice. I
1: mean we listened to all of them, and five of them were, were, oh, born on the Bayou is another one that's in the okay. uh, yeah. in the thing. This one was digitally repaired because the, the mics weren't on on all oh. the drums at the, at the beginning. And so they went, you know, they went in and into Pro Tools and were able to, to restore it. that. Wow. And so that's how that got included. So there's six, six, six of our nine tune set, nine that's or ten tune set, is acceptable uh-huh. for me. And I'm a hard critic of what live music should, should be released and what live music sure. should be kept in the vault. And so, you know, there, there could be more to come in the fiftieth. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, these kind of things. You know, the uh, the band is still loaded with drama and dissension yeah. from uh, mainly three to one, uh, and you can do the math. Sure. Uh,
0: What's at the heart of this dysfunction? That's what I'm wondering. When, I mean, it's you know, it's fraught with it, and it always has been, unfortunately, for one of the greatest American bands in history. What is the seed? What is at the the heart of this dysfunction? Do you think?
1: I think that it that it can be traced back to the uh, the sibling rivalry. Oh, be- really? Between uh, John and Tom. Yeah. You know, Tom used to be the leader of of our earlier versions of the band. The, w- when we first got together, we were the Blue Velvets. Tom was mm-hmm. Tom Fogarty. He'd already made records with other Bay Area bands. He was trying oh. to have a rec- he was trying to have a recording career. And so when when our little trio instrumental trio Stu on piano Doug on drums John on guitar we didn't have any vocals when Tom thought we were of you know a tr- we were trainable enough where he could teach us his songs and take us into the studio with him yeah it uh, it was you know we were backing him up Tommy Fogarty and the Blue Velvets we were making records when we were 13 years old have you ever
2: been blue? do you know the- when your lover has not been true do you know what a broken heart and the tears when you must part
1: And that was a dream, you know. We yeah. knew we were we knew we were a garage band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd had formal music training in trumpet and piano, but you know, I wasn't reading music. You know, I was just playing stuff that I learned off the radio, yeah. Off of records we bought, copying stuff from the Whalers and Johnny and the Hurricanes and you know, all these uh, instrumental bands having top 40 yeah. hits back in the in the in the late 50s. We right. were all big fans of Elvis and Ricky Nelson and Pat Spomino and Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, and Howlin' Wolf and you know we had some pretty interesting musical roots because we grew up in the Bay Area, which had sure. a really wide variety uh, ethnically. Yeah, it was a terrific place to grow up. In the daytime, we could listen to rhythm and blues in, in Oakland and Berkeley. They had the uh, KWBR, and then later KDIA in San Francisco, and then up at night when the radio waves would would uh, the propagation would change the radio wave travel distance. Right, we could hear uh-huh. country music up in Sacramento. Oh, killer. You know, eighty, yeah. ninety miles away, we'd hear crack,
3: right?
1: K R A K, and and they're playing, <laughs> uh, you know, Buck Owens, and and you're just melding all of these things together. Yeah, we're, just, you, know, that's, that's you, know, of, you know, that's that's sort of, you know, that's where, where Fogerty got right? his, uh, you know, he never went down to the Bayou and of course. sat at the knee of Stephen Foster. Who <laughs> was yeah. just as racist as any of them? Do da doo You know, this is this is how we grew up. You know, we didn't yeah. really we didn't realize that we were listening to something not cool. Sure. You know, we yeah. thought it was out of this world. And so, so the
0: sibling rivalry is basically. Yeah. You think at the heart of what's. And then we,
1: and then Doug and I often took Tom's side. Yeah. yeah. So Tom led the band, we were the, then we became the Gollywogs, and Tom and John were writing, and then John yeah. took over singing. Tom stepped back as a singer, and graciously, I, I would add. And then we went on to make a bunch more records as the Gollywogs. the bass and you know that we became the guitar quartet that that credence evolved from right then uh, we were credence and we rehearsed every day and uh, we played gigs all all over northern california sometimes southern california while we were trying to record our first real album
0: was the band a democracy at all uh maybe it sounded like well yeah it was
1: and it wasn't you know it never felt like that there were sides. We always felt it all in together. Even early on in Credence, it was it's like okay, we really got to rehearse this more. We got you know you, you know I'm not cutting it. Doug's yeah. not cutting it. Tom you know yeah. you know let's just let's just make it better, right? John eventually would just continue to take more and more of the control, and as he got on more of a winning streak, there was less and less resistance. But but, but, you know, it made sense. Hey, let's, you know, don't break it if it's not, you know, right. don't fix it. What do they say? Don't fix it if it's not broken, right? Yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, that's, I got to admit, that's my question. And this, I mean, this is befelled, if that's a word, millions of bands in the same situation, you know. Look right. at bands like Sticks or The Tubes or, I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of them on this podcast where the success, become empowered in one person usually within the band and of course mm-hmm. nobody likes that it's not democratic they're not sharing in the success necessarily and then uh, but then no one wants to necessarily go for along for the ride either so i got to yeah. ask i mean did you ever have i know that it you know eventually came to an end around 72 but have you did you ever and maybe you don't even want to answer this question i don't know but have you ever had even a twinge of regret like man if i had just stayed the course and followed along with John, who, like it or not, was the one penning the songs that were successful, we could have had a longer career. Do you ever feel that way, or are you fine? No, I, you know, like I, I I
1: don't, because I did stay the course. You did? Yeah. There's more to the story than, than oh. uh, <laughs> we haven't got to the rest of the story, oh,
0: yet, got it. Okay. as Paul Harvey
1: would say. <laughs> uh, so, in the studio, you know, John assumed more and more control, and, and yeah. we supported him 100%. Yeah. You know, we did our best all the time. We recorded live as a band, then John would throw us out and and do the vocals and the lead guitars. Mhm. And you know, we we would hear the record when it was when it was pressed. Yeah. What really? Yeah.
0: You yeah. sound very invested in the music.
1: Well, You're you know, we we coming felt in like to we do it, your it, thing and it, then leaving. It, it, well, that's the, way he, that's the way he set it up. It eventually uh, eventually evolved into that. Okay. Okay? And he could tell you a hundred reasons. Doug and I just thought, well, you know, like, hey, why well, come we can't sing on, on these backups? You know, why doesn't right. it have to sound like the Fogarty Choir from
2: hell?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, some big gospel singing group. You know, like we sang on uh, Who'll Stop the Rain. Uh-huh. We sang on The, the Nighttime is the Right Time. Okay. But uh, John wouldn't let us sing on any of the other songs. John wouldn't let anybody bring any other material in. Now Tom stepped aside. Had a, he had a pretty good voice, different, smoother voice than John's, you know, more like uh-huh. Ritchie Valens, you know, 50s rocker. Yeah, and it wasn't that. It wasn't that affected voice. Dick Clark once called it black facing. And mm, John didn't take that well. So that was an interesting evening. <laughs> well, I mean, they both had a meet few Dick drinks. Did and they,
0: he made a nice comment about you guys?
1: He Right, not about us, to us. To your face. <laughs> yeah, right to John's face.
0: No way.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But in any event, you know, they'd had a few too many drinks, and okay, you know, stuff, stuff and comes out when you, go. okay. Yeah, you, yeah, open mouth and wow. then engaged brain, right? Yeah, it was nice. it was a it was a definitely a memorable evening. But yeah, you know, John Fogarty would have a you know his voice. He doesn't sound like that when he talks. Sure. Boynin and Toynin.
0: Chuglin,
1: yeah. Yeah, Chuglin. No, that was uh-huh. not so bad. But the Boynen and toynin and uh uh-huh. yeah, you, know, you listen, you listen to it. You, it's very affected, you know. It's it's a nod to Howlin' Wolf, okay, and, and those Boys guys, ordered. but yeah. yeah, it's you know it's all part of our thing. So the music, I thought the music was, you know, I mean, we had disagreements about the music. I didn't like every song John presented, uh, right. And every, and every song wasn't, you know, every you know there was the hits and then there was the rest, right. right? I mean, but you know, we made good albums. Balanced albums. The best. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But yeah. uh but yeah. other things that John would do for no reason, just to to keep us down, like I remember the a show, I think it was in Nebraska or Kansas, and you know, we the the Coliseum was going wild, right? Uh-huh. I went back to the dressing room, Doug says, What are we gonna go out and play what's what's our encore, John? Uh huh. We we played really short shows, forty five, fifty minutes, you know, so
0: Okay.
1: I mean the tickets were cheap, but that wasn't a lot of music, right? Uh, uh, you know, Zeppelin's playing two and a half, three hours, right? And you know, we're playing fifty-minute shows of three-minute songs.
0: There's not a lot of solos in the CCR songs.
1: You know, there's our like, there's our extended stuff, right? Of course, so that, uh, there's, the there's no you know the songs the song yeah, yeah Susie Q, Chuglin, yep. Pagan Pagan yep. Baby, you know later stuff, yeah. but you know there's like one on every album,
0: right? Um, majority of the hits are like two and a half
1: minutes. Yeah, two and a half, three yeah. minutes. You know, Traveler Band 220, you know. Sure. We'll stop the Bayou is the well, longest radio, play, you know, five right. minutes, right? Uh, right? So anyway, John says, we're not playing an encore. Encores are phony. Wait a minute, we've been playing encores for, now <laughs> encores are phony? Yeah. What is this? Is this some, you know, you some kind of punishment?
3: Right. Well, it was,
1: of course. Doug flipped out. You know, he and John uh-huh. went at it. Doug right. tells a story that I don't remember completely, but Doug was the guy, you know, he was one of the participants, so I let him tell that mm-hmm. story. But, you know, it got semi-violent, and, you wow. know, then we never played another encore. But we, we still played 45, 50-minute shows, right? Interesting. So the, the band was coming apart for reasons of, you know, and so back to Tom. Tom had graciously stepped aside with the expectation that he would be allowed to, you know, sing one of the two or three covers that that we would put on every album, right? Yeah. Why couldn't Tom sing
2: one?
0: Yeah, why not?
1: John wouldn't let him do it. I mean, it's like, wait a minute.
0: Sounds like John had the supreme talent of somebody who you want to ride the the road with, but not the personality or really any of the leadership skills necessary to kind of band a, a band of people around him, you know. With that kind of talent came a lot of ego. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. afraid you nailed it. He's not you somebody know, you want to j- go into
0: battle with. He's not inspiring you to like be a part of the thing. Well, you know,
1: we used to do that. We used to be inspired early on. You know, when we felt that 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 it was a band. Yeah. You know John's got his own version of this story. he's sure, written, his, written a, a book about about, about his version of it, and you know people tell me that it's not a great read, and you know I've yeah. never read it, so I really I haven't can't read it yet either yeah it's yeah i I read some reviews that, that were shockingly uh, vicious of it, oh, so goodness. I figured, you know if, and yeah. I know that I'm not treated fairly or kindly, so i well I don't need it, you know, I think my wife read it, and she i she was just laughing, yeah, uh, I believe it. <laughs> You know, so there was this gradual erosion of, of what got us there, you know, the, yeah. the team. You know, Tom finally decides that he wants to leave the band. You know, and and yeah. Doug and I are, are spent all of 1970, part of 71, you know, trying to talk him back into the band. You know, Tom, don't sure. leave yet. John will John will change his mind, you know. it will open up, you know. We're with yeah. you. You know, this is, you know, we come all this way, you know, don't, you know. Right. We're worried that that his departure will end the band. Right? Yeah, Mike and I didn't sure. want to end the band. You know, we were we we're still loyal troops. Sure. And so well, finally, it must
0: have been bad if his own brother couldn't stick around anymore.
1: I
3: imagine yeah. that
0: jealousy of and th- and that's another symptom of bands that you know bands like Split Ends that have two brothers in them or the Kinks. Oh, or, we got you know, the Kinks. You know, I
1: just read some uh, 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 a long Kinks overview essay. Uh-huh. Uh, over the last week, and psh, wow, terrible, you know the stuff oh, I mean they actually man. really hurt each other, yeah, yeah, physical altercations Tom and John never never fought uh okay. physically, but he just would yeah. not share, and you know it was like we'd look back and think Tom was the guy who inspired us who who mentored us, yeah, you know, took us into the studio on his money, Wow, you know, it was like we're cutting Jeez. demos trying to get deals and Tom's the guy, you know, bringing us along. Yeah. So anyway, uh, funny Tom quits. You know, he can't. He, he quits. He says he doesn't want to do it anymore. And, and the three of us decide to soldier on as a trio. Sure. Mardi Gras. Right. This was coming after Cosmo's Factory, around Pendulum time, and okay. Tom wanted. You know, Tom wanted to do all these things. He wanted a book written about us, and he got a book written about us. Uh, and he he pushed really hard for this album release party Cosmos Factory big media junket. we flew everybody into town from the east coast and west coast and third coast whatever whatever
2: <laughs>
1: people fourth coast people right. people were flown in on our dime you know to have a, a party when we would perform some some of the stuff at Cosmos Factory you know off the Pendulum album and okay. John refers to it as the night of the generals which which his his way of saying Everybody in the army is a general. There are no more privates or no more soldiers. You know, it's like uh, basically John saying, "This is not my idea."
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I
1: don't support it, and yeah, it I understand. It, but by then, it was just it had gone so far that we were supporting Tom in his efforts to get a little Tom into the band, and so we really didn't feel good about, even though we didn't fully grasp what, what his vision was of, of this whole. Uh-huh. Thing. we were not ready to uh, to just say, Tom, that idea sucks, you know, John's yeah. right, you're wrong, you know. So right. we've right. remained ambivalently neutral. Sure. And it it happened. I'm guessing and, by
0: then you and Cosmo have got used to having to kind of silence yourself and just go along for the ride on all kinds of things that maybe weren't your first choice,
1: right? We we're doing practically anything that we could think of to keep the band from exploding. Sure was. it was, it it was
0: just sitting back and letting the Fogarty's be the Fogarty's, right? We didn't have what any choice. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, that, that was not, that was, we often felt, we, we, we call it being, being stuck inside the Fogarty sandwich. They yeah. were the bread, yeah. you know, and we were the guys, you know, we, they, we were the white stuff in the Oreo, and they were the right. two guys, and we were in the middle of, you know, we, there was a, pretty much a no win for us. Right, because right. John was going to blame us for whatever Tom brought forth, and we were agitators. We were we were trying to wreck his good deal, you know, all of his hard work. I mean, he yeah. wasn't a manager. He was, we no. you know we got involved in these incredibly poor business decisions. He never was able to to bring about a better recording deal for us. I personally think that he put his songwriting contract ahead of the band's recording deal in his negotiations with uh, the company. Uh huh. Because he wanted his songs back. He didn't realize that when he signed that publishing deal, he signed away the copyrights to those songs. Sure. He, he, he was ignorant to the point where he thought that after the contract expired, he was going to get those copyrights back. Right.
0: Isn't that issue right there at the heart of the old man down the road lawsuit? Yeah. He had sold those songs back, and that's where this place. See, I think people, of course. Uh, let's just be honest. People want to believe in the talented guy that writes the songs that everyone loves. But the fact of the matter is that he did sell those songs back. He didn't own them anymore.
1: He signed a publishing agreement that gave them the songs. He signed it at least two, maybe three times.
0: So the whole like plagiarizing yourself sounds crazy, but there is some logic to it when you figure someone else owns that music and that somebody is copying it, it just happens to be the same guy, right? I mean, it's unfortunate. John, it's uh, like it j-
1: j- John and Saul had a had a really twisted relationship. John's father was not there for him, and Saul kind of became a mentor to him yeah. in, in the in the in the record business. Okay. And John would go down and sit in Saul's office every day, like you know, at the foot of at the foot of Gandhi, ah, uh, got it, or Socrates, you know, or. Socrates, Socrates, you know, where can I, where can we get good Chinese takeaway? You know, (laughs) well, every Jew knows where to get good Chinese takeaway. You know, ask me something hard. (laughs)
0: That's great. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: But anyway, when when John couldn't get his songs back, that all changed. You know, when we signed with Fantasy and Saul's hands, Saul in, in the kitchen of his house said, when you guys are successful, we'll tear up this contract and I'll share equally in the pie. Quote, unquote. Right. That never happened. Yeah. We sent John in to, to make Saul live up to that. John was our manager. And he couldn't make it happen. He couldn't make it happen. Saul said, uh, you know, we're going to live with the deal we have. It's like, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> was there ever kind of a, a movement toward maybe hiring a, an outside lawyer? Did you do oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sort rely of, completely
2: on
1: John? The story gets stranger and stranger. So Doug and I are really resistant to this whole thing. John, where's our record deal? Where's our new record deal? And, you know, John was in, uh, as far as I can tell, trying to negotiate his publishing deal. And Saul had already said no to both. And John came back, and we were on John's ass, and John didn't like it. And so then it just became more and more us against him. Uh, Doug said, hey, this is brilliant. Doug said, John... Why don't we just stop turning in masters? Why don't we just go tour? Yeah. Fuck yeah. him. You right. know, they'll come to their knees. They'll renegotiate when they right. don't have another hit to to because in the record business in those days and it's probably true to some extent but probably, you know, a whole different playing field now. But uh-huh. especially for an independent record company, you're only as good as your last hit. Sure. You got to have the next hit if you want to get paid for the last one. It's a kind of a shady business. Yeah. Yeah. Independent uh, records, and most companies were independent, at least in rhythm and blues and country, and, and the newly born rock and roll music industry. You know, it wasn't like selling Snooky Lanson and and uh, you know Perry Como. Uh, right. Uh, the, you know, You're uh, by, with a different group of people. Yeah, the Warner Brothers and Columbia and RCA were were really not deeply involved in in what the music scene that we were in. It was yeah. mostly independent labels who could sign artists and. Press a single up and put it out in a week. Fantasy, you know, all kinds of artists, uh, labels like that. Stax, Motown, right, you know, right. they were they were upstart companies. Sure. They've so uh, the
0: model though. Yeah. Unless, well, they unless they were crooked businessmen.
1: Well, most of, of them men. were, sadly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so many records fell off the truck. You know. Yeah. Uh, it disappeared out of the pressing plant. It's right. like, come on, you know. Right. We had a flood. Where are the records? They were destroyed in the flood. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, that's a story we heard from RCA. Really? Oh, yeah. They used to press the records for fantasy. And, you know, things that fall off the truck, that's like an East Coast term for, you know, the mob. Oh, just right, skimmed the mob it. got them. Right. Yeah. Well, when records, when cases of LPs disappear, you know, they obviously fell off the truck. Sure. Uh, they went out the door. Somebody sold them, but the artist didn't get paid. So Doug says, let's not, let's not give them shit. Let's yeah. Hold out, you know? Right. And John says, no. John said, no. No. If we do that, we'll fall off the charts and no one will ever hear of us again. Oh boy. I mean, these are wow. quotes. I'm giving yeah. you quotes. I believe uh, it. I would take sodium i and a lie detector test on these. <laughs> I am not making this stuff up for, for I believe it. I for I believe podcast it. use.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe it.
1: Uh I'm too old to, to care about what people really sure. think about me. Sure.
0: <laughs> Well, and like I said, your story does your side of the story doesn't get told very often, so that's why we've we've tried to, to tell to it for
1: years. Concerned. You know, we just don't yeah. have the, the the focus from right. from the the, the the media. Wow. So it finally, okay. you know, Tom leaves. We're a trio. We we consider briefly adding somebody. You know, we thought well, let's add Duck Dunn from Booker T on the MGs to bass. I'll play rhythm guitar. There you go. And, uh, and we said, no, was, you know, our, uh, our engineer, Russ Gary, wanted to join his rhythm guitar player, but, you know, he wasn't one of us, really. And so we soldiered on as a trio. Uh-huh. But here's here's where it gets really, really sick. One night, coming back from a gig uh, in uh, Southern California, San Diego, I'm in the limousine with John and Tony Joe White and some un- unidentified fan. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: and we're riding back to the hotel, and John tells me, well, here's how we're going to record the next album. You and Doug and I are each going to write a third of the material because by then we, you know, there's like, like this democracy. John says, "Okay, fuck it, it's going to be a democracy. Right. We're all going to be equal." You know, when Tom left, we had this blowout, and, yeah. and Doug and I are going, "Okay, well, you know, at least we still got the band." You know, that right. was really our only concern was how right. do we keep credence together? And John says to me, "Here's the deal: You're all, we're all going to each write a third of the material, and I'm not singing on your songs." And I said, what the fuck are you, that, that's, <laughs> right. you, you really think that, that our fans would consider that a credence <laughs> right. album? Right. And right. he says, I don't care what they consider, screw the fans, this, this is how we're going to do it. Oh, boy. I'm going, this is some kind of democracy, uh, maybe yeah. some kind of Chinese democracy, uh, right. Right. Russian democracy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, you're no longer leading the band from the front, you're leading it from the rear. Right, like right. it's like, what if we vote two to one that we're not going to do that, John?
0: Yeah, true.
1: And he says, "Well, if you're not going to do that, I quit."
2: Oh boy!
1: So Doug and I are once again faced with a, a existential credence questions. And so, I mean, again, our love for the band and and what we're doing, and our belief in it is is so blindingly strong. Right. That you we, go agree. Along
0: with it and you we agree. We
1: agree. We agree. I'd never written a song. That I would consider on the the par with the credence's recorded body.:
3: Oh, interesting.
0: kind of pining away thinking look I got good
1: stuff too John no my oh. god no okay. you know
0: because that would have been the perception
1: that was John that was what was sold in the media by John got it after the band broke up well you know they wanted a democracy and I just you know and they and they obviously weren't up to it you know John made us write and sing a third each of uh, of the Mardi Gras ah. album under threat of, of quitting yeah he that was his ultimatum to us, and we, you know, in retrospect, we probably should have said, you know, this is madness. And but we did it anyhow. John, would, by That's then, was having an heavy. affair with some Danish girl, drunk all the time. He wouldn't even play lead guitar on our songs. No way. Yes way. Wow. It barely. I mean,
0: it's like fine. Then you guys are on your own.
1: We you said to him, "Come on, John, on you fight, gotta so. sing. You gotta." He says, I don't like your songs that much, and I'm not lending, my voice is an instrument, and I'm not, my lead voice is an instrument, and I'm not lending it to, to your music. Oh, my gosh. Um, these wow. are quotes. That is unfortunate. You know, I'm playing, I'm learning, I'm teaching myself lead guitar so I can play on, on my tracks. I'm doing the playing the piano on Doug's songs. You know, I'm doing it. I'm doing everything I can. Doug is, you know, and we're doing everything we can to sure. to, to to get a, 10-song album together. Wow. And so out it comes. That's the record no co- We turn it in, the record company, and they're like appalled. They took a step back from it and took the unprecedented and quite disgusting step of putting who sang lead vocal on which songs on the album cover in really? a sticker. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like, uh, what are you people,
1: you know, are you just trying to hurt your own sales? It's like, yeah. now, you're, now you're worried about credence yeah all of a sudden you know wow. when when we were just the golden goose for you guys, you know and but when when Fogarty maybe John made him do it i i to this day I don't know, but it's like, okay, yeah, don't listen to that song, don't listen to this song, you know they honestly they they weren't good, but I don't think they were bad, you know it no, wasn't
0: I think you're fine it it's, it wasn't creamest quality work. No, but it's. A, but it could, I, but it yeah.
1: it couldn't be. It just, it just right. couldn't be. After so after after six albums of John in the driver's seat. What is this? What is this about? Right. It was to punish us for yeah. being uppity. Yeah. You know. Don't. It, what it, do you mean? Where's your? What, what do you mean? Where's your record contract? Right. What do you mean siding with Tom? What? Uh, what uh, it's just all of, What do you mean? Encore? That's the smallness yeah. of, of John I yeah. Think. Wow, and so that Doug and surprised. I have been, have you know, and then, so that led to the, you know, have the, you
0: ever performed any of those songs live? By the way,
1: oh yeah, we did uh, 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 when we toured as a trio. I sang door to door. country
0: yeah <laughs> i've always wondered if they were just lost to history like one-offs that were made for the album and never touched again well pretty
1: much i mean we okay. did them
0: okay we weren't
1: you know come on we weren't lead singers
0: well we were we were okay i mean they're yeah you're right They're they're not up to the rest of the ccr but they're fine
1: they're, they're okay good
0: album tracks i think like,
1: well, you know, maybe one each would have been, yeah, would have been okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, to, to make us do a third each, it's like, yeah. and tell us it's a democracy while m- giving us ultimatums. You know, none of it makes sense. It's all yeah, sick. That's It's rough. fucking sick. It is. And so that was the end of like that, that. You know, yeah. then the critics tore it apart. It still sold reasonably well. I don't think it's multi-platinum, but it's a platinum album. I think, yeah. you know, it was sold basically, you know, largely uh, based on credence, credence, success, right? You know, then eventually John just came to our, to my house one day and said, "I, I don't want to do this anymore." I said, <laughs> wow. "Neither do I. This is not worth anything. This is, yeah. you know, we're we're ruining. If we haven't already ruined what was a great thing, what we started oh, yeah. out with in 1959 in junior high school, It's it's now 70." Two, and it's it's become evil. Yeah,
0: were you guys evil for friends? Us. I mean, w- w- would you have considered yourself even in 1959 as teenagers friends or buddies with the Fogartys, John specifically?
1: We always thought John was, you know, kind of a tortured soul. You know, his family life wasn't good. You know, and neither was Doug's. But you know, mine was mine was upper middle class, normal. You know, I was lucky kid. Okay. My my parents might not have been, you know, the most in love couple, but you know, at least they didn't wreak havoc uh, on the on the family with their issues. Yeah. You know, Doug's Doug's and John's parents uh, marriages exploded, and you know, they they made the best of their. you know, they came out of it, you know, fairly well. You know, everybody has issues growing up. You know, nobody. Sure. Uh, you Not even anybody. Uh, life is very complex. Uh, with right. your kid, it's 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 a whole different deal. But exactly. But you know, when you carry this shit into your adulthood and and then blame other people for it or pretend like you, like you, there aren't issues, it's it becomes a whole other thing. Anyway, so that you know, led to a, to an acrimonious breakup. Pretty much, you know, bitter. There's a lot of bitterness because of the way we were treated and the way we got thrown under the bus. Right. For 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 John's decision to to make us be the people who broke credence up, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we've we've played our roles in it, but all these decisions were made sure. by John, yeah, every single one of them. Our we made a decision to go along with them. That, that's our fault. And then we get to the Hall of, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know, where John won't play with us. You know, but when we found out we were being inducted, we thought it was terrific. You know, sure ballot, You know, what a way to honor the band and. So we start making inquiries, Doug and, and me to a lesser extent. Yeah. So you know what's going to go on? You know, is there going to be a jam or are is actually right. going to play together? You know, what what is the, was the production going to going to look like and sound like? Right. And and we kept getting told, well, you know, oh Robbie Robertson's in charge. You know, you know this will all be worked out. You know, don't worry, we'll get in touch with you. Cool. You know, it's getting closer and closer. Hey, what do you hear? You know, well, you know, it yeah. doesn't look like. You, you guys are going to play, but you know there'll be a jam, all-star jam, or, you know, one of those things that closes out the evening. Uh, you know, we'll let you know. And so, it's down in Southern California. I'm living in in L.A. at the time, and Doug flies uh, down from from Lake Tahoe with his family, sure. and so he gets here a little earlier, and he goes down to the Century Plaza Hotel uh, to the ballroom, and he wants to see which drum set he might be playing on. You know, just to,
0: oh, just, so you didn't even know going into the night.
1: No. You got there and
0: didn't know you wouldn't be playing.
1: No, we knew oh, nothing. Oh, I've always wondered that. No, we <laughs> we were told by the Hall of Fame that that it, that it was all worked out and that they you know yeah. not to worry. So Ted goes down there and starts looking looking around on the stage. You know, with all those, the gears being assembled and set up and so on. And he asked some production manager, you know, which which drum set he uh, might wow. be playing on. And the guy looked at him like and he said, "Don't you know?" Oh, Doug said, Doug said, no, what, no, no what, the guy says, Fogarty's been rehearsing for a month with a house band. You guys aren't playing. Ouch.
0: Oh, man, and no one told you.
1: No one. Doug called called me and he said, Doug called me and he said, are you sitting down? He said, you better sit down. Wow. And he said, we're not playing. And I said, well, I'm going to head down there now and, you know, we're going to, We're going to find our buddy Fogarty, and we're going to ask him what the hell he's thinking. Yeah. So we asked him.
0: people like Robbie Robertson kind of empowered him on that decision? Because you'd like to think that other people who were involved in the production would have said, look, that's probably a bad idea.
1: Just let it go. Both Robertson and Springsteen empowered him. I mean, went along. The Hall of Fame went along. John said, look, if you don't take me, you get nobody, because I'm not playing with them. Boy. Because they screwed me. Wow. Okay. So we get down there, we find him. We we confront him and he says, I'm not playing with you guys. You're not my friends. We yeah, said, boy. "Well, you know, we that aside, but but why? Why won't you yeah. play on this particular evening when you sure. know the band is being inducted?"
0: Yeah.
1: And he said because you guys left me twisting in the wind when I was trying to get out of my contract. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. That's another quote. 20 years earlier, yeah, You know, you, because, you know, he, he couldn't get out of his contract with, with Concord. Finally, David Geffen gave Concord a million dollars or something. Right, the US, right. U.S. rights. They kept the foreign rights, and they got yeah, him yeah. out of his, his, his contract.
0: I was re-watching the speeches you
1: guys gave recently, and
0: I felt like, I I know that there's storm brewing behind the scenes, but I felt like everyone handled it about as classy as they could have.
1: I thought so. You know, we always tried to be classy. Uh, right. At least I did. Doug did. Yeah. John, John, not so much.
0: Some of the comments, I was watching it on YouTube. Some of the negative comments were about that you guys were overly gracious to Fantasy Records. Was that your little jab at John, saying, kind of buoying up or, or talking up your gratitude for Fantasy Records? Or was it just, hey, thanks to everybody. It's, it's, it, it, was
1: a, it was a canned Thanks. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, we really, I mean, there was so much going in our minds. You know, putting fantasy on a pedestal would would, would not have entered it because we thought they're, and still do think they're dicks, complete dicks, treated the band like shit from the beginning to this day. But that we left him twisting. We said, John, what are you talking about? How, yeah. how the hell could we get you out of your contract? Right. I mean, it just wasn't possible. They wanted masters from you, not from me or Doug right. or Tom. You know, they yeah. wanted master recordings from you because, mistakenly, as it turns out, they thought you were Credence. Okay, that's and right. apparently you do too. <laughs> but his words, "You left me twisted in the wind," once again, that's what the guy said. Doug even tried to get him out of, you know, tried to assist him in his lawsuit over the old man down the road and the plagiarism, uh, dance can't dance. attorney's request even signed a sworn deca- even signed a sworn declaration saying that he did not tell Saul's to sue John. you know it's exactly. just like
0: now I was watching an old interview with John from the
1: nineties late nineties,
0: and he says, you're the one who went to Saul and said you should get Fogerty because old man down the road sounds just like."
1: Well, that, that's like, that's what he's saying. He's saying that I he, he's saying that that Stu did it, and he says yeah. that in his he says that in his book. But at Doug the did. time, he said Doug did it, and that's why Doug offered the, uh, the the sworn statement, which got Doug thrown out of Fantasy. They wouldn't let him in the building after he did oh, that. No. Oh no, yeah. I mean, John's gone from one person to the next. You know, I got to think he's maybe he's getting unhinged. Let's just say he's got some timers working. I mean, he. Went from Doug, for years and years it was Doug, 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 Doug. Then in later stories, later versions, and and in his recent autobiography, it's Stu, Stu, Stu who who did it. So come on, John, which one is it? I mean, the facts on the ground indicate that it was Doug because you asked, your attorney asked Doug to sign a sworn statement that he didn't do that. Why wouldn't he have asked me to sign a sworn statement if, you know, you thought it was me?
0: that's rough. You know I was yeah. reading an article in the Guardian. Uh it's an older it was an older article on him. But it was saying like the saddest story in rock or something like that was the headline and how bogged down John has allowed himself to be. Again, I'm not taking sides. I should I want to establish that again. I love CCR, I love every member of CCR equally. I'm not taking sides. But I did think it was an interesting perspective that he's gotten so bogged down with lawsuits and everything over 45 years now, and he's only ever put out, like, six solo albums. For a guy who was so prolific there for those four years with you guys, there should be more, you know? There should be more out there. You should have other things to, to think about than lawsuits. We all get hurt. Everyone who want, who loves CCR gets hurt by this pettiness, you know? These, these it,
1: it, it, it hurts the band's legacy, you know? It, it takes away yeah, from the music. It really is. Which is one of my biggest disappointments. It's like you know, the fans really care about the music. They don't really yeah. care about our private lives. And and when we battle in public, and when you know when people go after you know, and particularly in the court system, which is you know, that's it's like war, right? It's when diplomacy fails, we go to war, yeah, right? Uh, you know, it, it disappoints them. They don't. They don't. You know, they think less. Somehow, less of of the good stuff and more of they they remember the bad right, stuff. It right. starts to become more important, which is which is a shame. It, it's really yeah. a shame. John, I think, has done maybe seven, or twelve eleven or twelve solo albums altogether. Uh, well, with new material,
0: I think it's like six or seven uh, in the last five years. You know. Well, you know,
1: and the, when was when was his last hit? Okay, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay, I like to, I like uh, to say, you know. He had this great string of hits. What's he done since he got rid of the guys that were holding him back? True. Yeah, that's
0: exactly. That's exactly. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. If you, you know, were so not, singular, John, where, why, you know, other than center field,
1: 1985.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's unfortunate. So uh,
1: you know, it's it's that part's a, a, a disappointment. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, there's a lot of there's still sadly there's still a lot of business. Yeah, I could tell that, that you know because the Credence is a, is money, right?
0: Okay, so we got to talk about Credence Clearwater Revisited. What's the mm-hmm. business situation like there? Does he just does he just turn a blind eye and let you play no. those songs of his?
1: Or no, he, anybody there can there anybody can play these songs of his. By that you mean the songs he wrote?
0: Yeah, right.
1: And the band recorded. Yes, exactly. anybody in the world can right. play those songs. Right. Yeah. I
0: didn't mean to I know. I know, I know, but that.
1: I just want to be okay. clear for because this is for. Largely, uh, not record business savvy listeners. I, yeah. That any any time a song is recorded, then anybody can play it. It's published, right? Uh-huh. It's in the public. It's once sure. it's published, it's in the public, and any band can play it on Friday night, at a wedding, a bar, a holiday inn, a sure. bar mitzvah, you name it, they can play it. And so. After the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Doug and I were just looking around to, you know, let's play some music together again, Doug. You know, what better music to play than the music sure. that we helped make famous, you know? Exactly. Both that us on those records. Yep. We didn't see any reason to start over at the bottom. I mean, come on. We got a great yeah. legacy. People love our music. Absolutely. Let's go play it for them. Nobody yeah. had been playing it. John had refused to play these songs, by the way, because of his fight with, with Saul yeah, Vance. Yeah,
0: I, I remember. Boycott. He
1: was boycotting. He even told people to not buy credence records uh because oh. he because of his fight with with, with fantasy yeah wow. okay so there's a a real you know like and now 85 yeah. percent of it or more of his show is credence material yeah but uh you know everybody's entitled to a change of heart i, sure. I can appreciate that Very so doug and i first we said well let's ask john if he wants to play these songs with us you know uh-uh. let's see where he's at on this so we did and he said no and we said well we're going to do it anyway and uh we chose the name Creedence Clearwater Revisited and perfect and because we revisit the music of Creedence and right. our original members right. and you know it's somewhat confusing we believe we legally could have called it revival but we would never would have done that because you know the the original band is is the totem yeah it's true. it's the you know that's that's the and we're just celebrating it yeah you know, that's the whole point of, sure. the, of the Revisited Project is to honor and celebrate the original band's music with the fans, new right. and old. Right. And, and that you for played 22... on
0: these songs. That's, I mean, it's not like you're some cover band playing things. You participated in, in the creation of the, of this music.
1: We like that's... to think so. <laughs> well, of course.
0: You're band members. Anyway, okay.
1: I yeah, yeah. And, and so John didn't like that, and so he sued us and but yeah. we believe that that the three of us uh Tom's widow Doug and I controlled the trademark we believe it was majority rule John said no it's unanimous rule anyway he sued us in 6, six 97
0: okay
1: 96 he sued us in 96 we settled in 2001 and he's been getting paid every year oh so millions, he millions of money. dollars okay for for us to to do our project okay and, I imagine uh,
0: that's probably just the trade-off of you guys it, it, making a living, playing your songs. If you got to give a chunk of that to John to keep him quiet and let you well, do Well, Well, not thing, keep him quiet.
1: I mean, We were yeah. going to go to court and fight him over it, but he settled and agreed that okay. he would take X amount. Okay. And, and and then he would not object. Yeah. And you make okay. some
0: royalties, I'm guessing, even though he wrote those songs. You get at least a performance royalty. I mean... CCR's music has been,
1: you know, real. No, you know, performance performance money is is only recently uh, a factor in in uh, oh, music really? business economics. In the United States, oh, okay. it's, it's okay. always been real money. In, in the rest of the world, but the United States okay. uh, is Whoa. very very backwards. You know, they, people don't want to share. Yeah. You know, when a record gets played in Europe, the artist gets paid and yeah. the writer gets paid and of course the publisher gets paid right okay. in the united states when a record gets played only the writer and publisher get paid interesting except on internet which is global right right so we're we're starting to see some some serious money from internet play
0: so were there really lean years there before this kicked in with the performance royalty where you weren't making a lot of money on your ccr legacy
1: you know it got pretty slow before cds
0: Okay. Okay. And then
1: CDs just open it all up brand new again.
0: Right, right.
1: Okay. And and of course that model is broken now and now there's no yeah. money again. Right. Hence the touring. Well luckily Yeah, you well you a know really exactly, thing, right? exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. But, well luckily you have a really good touring thing going. I mean
1: TV 22 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've got your live album, Platinum. Record, or, yeah. Well, Adam, and you if you guys playing all the hits, it sounds great.
1: Thank you. Good. Yeah, sure. uh, you know okay. p- we p- people like it. You know, that, we didn't even want to record that. Our fans, we were playing in '96 and '95, uh, '96, and people are saying, "Hey, do you guys have an album? We would buy it. You know, you guys yeah. sound pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you do good. You do a good job." And so we said, "Hey, let's record an album. You know, what the hell? Let's yeah. do a live album." So we did it. We did three shows up in up in Canada, recorded them, and then you know called the best twenty-two performances from those three nights.
0: Yeah.
1: And then put it out, and we call it right. recollection. Of course, re- re- recollection. We're yeah. re- recalling, right? I mean, it, it all fits. And well, John, it. John records an album, releases it the, the month before. <laughs> uh, the same, uh, the same album, practically, and he calls it premonition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know. It's like, there we go. Light and dark.
0: Yeah, and one sold a million, and one didn't.
1: Well, I guess after, not.
0: Yeah, I and
1: ours is a double album. I, know, so, I saw uh, that. Uh, so. You know, it's. It, I mean, we just did these things because it felt organically okay. We didn't start exactly. out with a great game. We didn't have a great no. game plan. We had no, no. idea who was going to come to a revisited show. You know, one of the biggest surprise from the early days was how many young people showed up. We thought, mm-hmm. where the hell did they come from? Yeah. How do they even know about Creedence? These are teenagers. Yeah. We so, had no idea that we had three generations of fans.
0: I think, too, Credence is one of those bands that... May, and maybe it's because there is only so much in, uh, music out there, but it, the legend gets bigger <laughs> as it goes. You know what I mean? The music never has never really gone out of style. Well,
1: like you know, there Led was Zeppelin a
0: Zeppelin or something where... There it was it's a lot of great music there.
1: from the era that, that, that yeah. we came from, you know... But there was just a lot of great music, both U.S. and, and from, sure. from the U.K. In, in the '60s. You know, a lot yeah. of great bands, great artists, great records. Sure. It was a real renaissance. Yeah, but not uh, as of, as many of live people are music.
0: people still buying Jefferson Airplane albums. No offense to Jefferson Airplane. They're not still buying Moby Grape albums like they well, are. Those are, guys, CCR those albums.
1: guys couldn't. You know, as great as they were, they couldn't get arrested. They couldn't get played on radio. Yeah, yeah. and and. and we could, and so yeah. here we are, we're playing the same ballrooms as those guys in in, in San Francisco, you know, Gilmore and Winterland, and we're on the radio, we're selling records, sure. we, we we got gold and platinum albums, and the other guys are still underground. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: so, uh, okay, you know, I know we, I've kept you long. And ago, I love both of those
1: bands, by the way. I do
0: too, that was not a knock on either of them, <laughs> other than, the, you know, the CCR name looms larger after the fact, than some of those other bands from the same era. Okay, I gotta, I gotta ask, what just all the negativity aside, when you look back on fifty years, over fifty years, what's your favorite memory of it all? Was there the moment of a particularly great show, or meeting a hero of yours, or a particular party, or interaction, or hearing the song on the radio? What, when you look back on this huge career of yours, what's your favorite memory of all of it?
1: I can't believe that happened to me. Well, I have that feeling now, you know, because I see, you know, the it doesn't sink in. It doesn't. I mean, it, does, it takes a long time. It's. it's yeah. I think it's sunk in. The success of revisited, and we've been yeah. incredibly successful for what with what we put together with, uh, uh, you know, with our bandmates and and connected with the, with the Creedence uh, fans. It, it, it never really sunk in. You know, we never really fully appreciated the extent of, of what had happened to us in, until much later in life. We're incredibly blessed. You know, I mean, it's just like lightning striking. We, we had no management. We had no record company. Uh, we eventually got a booking agency. Uh, it was all pretty amateur. I think management was the biggest hole. Oh, I'll tell you a story. When we when Tom left and Doug and I. Flexing our new democratic muscles, say that sarcastically. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, told John that we didn't want we didn't want him to manage the band anymore. Oh, really? And that of course didn't sit well. So yeah. you know what he did? You know who he brought? He said, get, you know, well let's let have some auditions or whatever you know. Uh-huh. Let's do some interviews, uh-huh. take some meetings. We'll take some meetings. You know who he brought? <laughs> oh. Alan Klein. Really? Oh. Yeah." <laughs> the most crooked guy Brung yes. up the Beatles. Oh goodness! <laughs> Fucked over the Stones. Uh, oh, wow! Uh, stole Sam Cooke blind. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, he Ring brings Indian. he brings Alan Klein to Cosmo's Factory and lets Alan Klein pitch us. And Alan Klein even told us we couldn't get out of our contract with Fantasy. So we said, "Well." <laughs> Whatever if we know, we see a lot of bad here. But since he can't really bring any good, we sure don't need him.
0: <laughs> oh man! Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. And, oh,
1: that's
2: that's. But so you know, there is hard.
1: no one single thing that, that that you know. I think about it. You know, we had some great experiences playing Woodstock, yeah. of course, playing Royal Albert Hall, getting to meet uh, Booker T. and the M.G.s, hanging out and getting to know those guys, become friends. Uh, yeah. Cool. Tony Joe White you know just the, the whole the whole thing was was yeah. just the most enjoyable dream come true Good. Good. except wow. except for you know when it when it soured it it really it soured and and we weren't we were just because we had no mentor we had no beyond a musical leader we spoke you 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 mentioned earlier that you know the leadership skills seemed to be right. uh, in short supply that killed us you know we did not have yeah. anybody who could say guys. Sit down and let me tell you what what I think is going on and then maybe we can start to put the pieces in place to keep the wheels on. Yeah, right. There's nobody there to do that. So, young, Tough. New, newly rich, somewhat naive, right. Uh I mean, I got a degree in business and I knew I couldn't manage the band. Sure. Right. And when uh, drugs
0: are involved,
1: you know, we didn't we other... we 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 never really had that problem in the band. We were well, more I didn't drinkers. I did not even
0: imply you? I meant you no, know, no. anyone coming in. The whole you know industry at that point is just
1: party all start, the time, right? Well, it was it was psychedelics. It wasn't hard drugs. Okay. It was weed and and mescaline and acid and yeah. you know later. I, I saw I first saw some cocaine back in I want to say uh, seventy seventy one. Okay. You know, first time oh, right. I ever even became aware of cocaine. Right. Uh, some chick turned me onto it at the Fillmore. You know, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah. It was, try this, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we were we mostly you know drank our whiskey and beer and yeah. smoked some weed. You know, it, it was just lack of of of, of having somebody yeah. that that could thread us through this. Semi mafia minefield, right. right? You know, and yeah. you got guys who say, "Well, you know, we'll live with the contract we have." Like, what are you going to do? You know, call Vinny? Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, we had a good lawyer, but uh, but he could. You know, it's like, why didn't we stop? You know, Doug's idea still seemed the best. They couldn't make us record. Yeah. They could. They could have put the contract on hold, but you know, they, they we could yeah. have held them by the financial nuts. Yeah, and we didn't. True. We didn't.
0: It's too bad too, because there would have been a natural external enemy for the four of you guys to rally against. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I and, sure do. I mean, everybody. You couldn't, you couldn't yeah.
0: rally yourselves that way. It's such. It's a shame.
1: To no, shame. we were too busy. We were too busy trying to to second guess what John wanted. Yeah. Uh, to, to to really remain focused on our external issues. Right. It could have so and,
0: easily been the four of you against them. And it I know. ended up being each one of you against each other so sad.
1: Well, yeah, most like usually three to one, but you know, and, and Yeah, or I, mean, yeah John, that's what I meant. John resented it and, and and I'm sure that his view of it would be different than the the story yeah. I've told to you today. And apparently it is, but you know, I'm here to to give you my version of it. I don't yep. I don't that's there's nothing in it for me to, to, to spin some kind of web that you know, right. some story that, that I don't believe. You know, right. just to make, it doesn't make, doesn't make me feel better. Telling the truth is really the only thing that works in, yep. in uh, in life, anyhow. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I've always stuck with that. That's one of the, the first lessons my dad taught me, and it's never failed me. Good.
0: Well, Stu, this was wonderful. It was a huge honor for me to talk to you. I love you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time. I hope, I know we went a little longer than I said, but I hope that was okay. Oh yeah! So much good information. I'm just really grateful for you that you're out there being able to make a living, doing doing what you deserve to be able to do. And so, well, uh,
1: thank you very much for the kind words. I uh, yeah. I've enjoyed speaking with you today. You've uh, you know you've you've obviously had your head in it for a while and understand. I love you guys. Uh, a lot of the stuff that the, the mechanisms and you know the way right. things worked back then, so that uh, I I I I felt. Fairly at ease, you know, explaining sure. some of this stuff to you. Good, uh, sure, I'm glad. You know, you went where some guys won't go. Uh, uh, but all in all, you know, Doug and I believe this was a, a huge blessing for us. And, yeah, uh, I agree. You know, it's a shame that we that we don't have what we once had, but, uh, you know, we, we got enough of it to, uh, to, to remember how good it was.
0: There you have it, Stu Cook. That was amazing i mean that's a that might be like a top five top three best episodes we've put out there you can't beat that information and i am so honored that Stu talked to us and entrusted us with that story i mean like i said john fogarty is out there he's the face he's the name he's got the pulpit already to tell his side of the story and i love john but i am so glad that we gave Stu and really dug, by extension, a chance to hear their site as well. It is just as valuable. In fact, maybe even more valuable. It recontextualizes the history and the placement of the CCR, if you ask me. It's vital information. Explosive, as I said. Anyway, thank you, Stu. I had mentioned earlier that we had a giveaway. Stu is going to be sending us a few copies, signed copies, of Recollection, that live, two-disc Creedence Clearwater Revisited CD that we talked about there at the end. In fact, this is the last track on that CD up around the bend. Now, we've set up a website for you to enter to win. Here is the website. Listen up. swag.hustlepodmusic.com forward slash prizes. I'm going to say it again. swag.hustlepodmusic.com forward slash prizes. We will announce Next Monday, the 10th of April, the day before the next episode of The Hustle comes out, who at least the first winner is. And if we find out they send us two, three, four copies, we will let it be known through Facebook who those winners are as well. Okay? Next week's guest also performed at Woodstock. In fact, he was the youngest performer there that weekend. He went on to have a giant hit in the middle of the 70s. And unfortunately, that was it, his one and only hit but he is still out there recording music still doing it it's another really fascinating uh, conversation i hope you'll come back for it it's a good one huge thanks as always to my partner in crime Jan the man makiewicz we made it to 100. he came in around episode 19 i believe and has been with me ever since thank you yan for being my partner in this venture if you have not done it already folks please go to itunes here's the business part and subscribe to the podcast if you're a regular listener we could really use a review, a quick one, good, bad. I don't care. Just write us some kind of a review. You can find us on Facebook and like our page, and you can communicate with me that way. Uh, you can send me an email at the hustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at the hustlepod. All right. Thanks everybody for making the last 100 great. Talk to you next Tuesday.